Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. back to the Night Report Podcast, episode nine. Uh, Chris is not with us today, so it's just me and Richie. Richie, uh, really busy week of Rutgers sports once again. Um, excited to get talking to a lot, about a lot of stuff, especially this Indiana win. I didn't see that one coming. Did you see that one coming? Uh, no, not at all. Um, we talked about it before the pod. That was pretty wild. I mean, I think you could argue that going into the game, they had a chance at winning. Winning 38-3, I don't know if even – not even Vegas predicted that one, so – yeah, a little crazy, but uh, yeah, shout out to Chris. He's at practice right now for us. Um, we'll have more on that later, but yeah, back to Indiana. It's uh, it's weird. Yeah, I, I know that the, there was some posts about sharp money coming in on Rutgers last week. Uh, the line dropped. I think it opened at like eight, eight and a half, and it closed at like six and a half, seven in most uh-huh. places, Yeah, which is a pretty key number in, in sports betting, at least for football. Um, I mean, they kind of just gave us that game. We won the turnover battle six nothing. Uh, how many times did we get the ball in like – you know, the 30 yard line or closer from like muff punts or from fumbles or from interceptions. Like that game was never in doubt, but the things that are positives from leaving that game were like really positive looking forward. Like we won the the trenches in a big 10 game. And I didn't think that was going to happen in any game this year, let alone one this late in the season to a team that was ranked at one point. So you got to give the team credit. Uh, This is giving us a ton of momentum going into the last two games. Uh, We're five and five now. Uh, we just need to win one of our last two, and we might even make a bowl game without winning one of the last two, which is an interesting scenario. Yeah, I mean, the APR is – I'm trying to read more and more into it. I don't really know um, where Rutgers stands. I know someone commented today on the board saying they're like number 30 or something like that. Well, that's that That information is in a moratorium right now. They're not making that information public okay. because of, of uh, COVID-related things. Interesting. Um, okay. Well, now so, there you go. Yeah, they didn't release it last year. They're not going to release it this year. So it is, they do collect it. It is internal in terms of the NCAA, and it will go into the bowl selection process, but they're not uh, giving those numbers out right now. Listen, we, we know Rutgers is already like top 25 most of the time, if not higher. Um, so I do think they have a decent shot if they get those that five win, or if they get, um, if it comes down to that, if they don't get that six win. But uh, right now I'm looking, I, I was doing the math before. So there's eight bowl games for the Big Ten technically tie-ins. Mm-hmm. Um, it a lot depends on if Ohio State gets that college football playoff or not. If they lose yeah. one more game, I think they're out. And I don't think the Big Ten really has a case at this point for a football college football playoff team. If that happens and everyone drops down a niche, but right now I do think regardless if they get a bowl game, I don't think there's any argument here. I think it's going to be pinstripe. I think they want that that pinstripe wants them. I think Rutgers just wants a bowl at this point, so it will help both. Uh, the, the bowl and the program, you get more practices, you get the Rutgers fan base to show up. It's New York city. It's not, it's down the road. Um, I don't think any other team will show up. Uh, fan base will show up no. as much as Rutgers. So it's like, which I'm okay with. I mean, I'm not opposed to Vegas cause I like the idea of going to Vegas. Oh yeah. I would love to see the new stadium there. That looks like a death star in the middle yeah, of the desert. Well, that that's one of my big points and I've never been to Vegas. So I'm kind of like, really, I'm like, Oh, like if they're going to play in Vegas, Vegas. Oh no, darn. <laughs> I won't ask how old you are, but you should have been there by now, man. Come I know. I'm, I'm, 27. <laughs> I'm 27, so I probably should have been there six years at least. 
But, yeah, uh, I've been twice, and it's it's you my, can't really explain it till you've been there. My only like downfall about that is that like if they do play in Vegas, it's gonna suck because it's not as it's not the same as going with like a group of buddies and stuff. But I mean, sure. if I have to go there on a Monday for the game on Saturday, oh no, darn. <laughs> but, uh, yeah so i mean vegas pinstripe uh detroit obviously i don't think anyone wants to no play. oh man yeah, quickly and bowl that would be like, I'm, I, bittersweet it's i want to go to see a bowl and cover a bowl but detroit like ugh, it's miserable uh, detroit in in late december uh phoenix phoenix would be cool actually take that back that would be a nice one i did phoenix yeah. back in march this year and that was the time of my life scottsdale and yeah, Scottsdale's a good time. My my aunt and uncle live out there, so I've been been there Arizona quite a few times. Oh, I love it, man! I have only yeah. been there once, and it was this year. It was amazing, and I'd go back in a heartbeat. I know um, our beat writer Chris did a little a uh, little digging and a little like future casting, I guess you can call it. He uh, yeah, he booked tickets to the Phoenix Suns game the day after the bowl. I'm man, like, that would right. be that'd be some clairvoyance there if we ended up if you ended up just being able to to cover the game there as well. Um, I know he's going to be out in Cali the week before anyway, and I think the ending of that week he'll be in uh, Phoenix for the game, obviously, but uh, for the Suns game. So he's kind of hoping it just kind of coincides with each other, but we'll see what happens. I, I do think they have a good shot at a bowl. Um, I don't think they win this week, if that's what you're going to ask, but next week it's very well, – We'll talk very about that. Uh, but one more thing about the bowl situation. Cratch did a deep dive on it. Um, I was listening to, to his pod. Um, he said that he has a hard time not seeing us in a bowl based on how everything's going to shake out and also based on uh, like how many projected bowl slots. I think there's 80 or there's 82 bowl teams. So there's 41 bowls. And based on that, there, there's also a way we could just fill in for slots that aren't uh, filled in other conference affiliated uh, bowl games. Yeah. Which so, would be interesting. I don't know. Like, do you just get to go to like a random spot at this point or like, I think there's a pecking order based on like we were talking about like APR amongst the, the five and seven teams. The, the Pac-12 does not allow five and seven teams to go to bowl games. So that's another interesting wrinkle. No, um, great. So we're going to be going to the West Coast. Woo-hoo. Could be. Yeah. I mean, there's a Bahamas Bowl that's in play, which would be all pretty right. awesome. See, now yeah. we're talking again. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it really is just a crapshoot at that point when you can be in one of, you know, 40 bowls. So I mean, just stay tuned. Idaho Bowl. Oh God, uh, <laughs> Boise and you know for yeah. New Year's, no thanks. It'd be cheap. Although I've heard good things about Boise. It's, it, it's like it, one of those. Is it New Year's? I it mean, is. it just in that period of time. Oh God, yeah, you're right. I'm looking at it now. Yikes! Um, count me out. Yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to think of like the worst possible bowl that they could go to, and I think Idaho might be might have been it. What's the one in Birmingham that used to be Papa John's Bowl? Ah, oh, what the hell is it? They changed the name of it. Um, they changed the name of all these bowls like every year. I'd be kind of cool if like Rutgers could fill in. I know a lot of fans don't like Barstool, but if Rutgers could get no, that. I was Barstool thinking the same bowl, thing. That'd be kind of cool. I mean, there's already a lot of Barstool Rutgers love, it seems, <clears throat> between oh, yeah. like Shiano Man and like yeah. PFT, TJ, all those guys. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. That'd be that'd be kind of cool, actually. A little, little maction. That'd be great for Rutgers brand, but I'd imagine that the Mac is going to try and highlight. I don't know where that game lies in the Mac pecking order. I'd imagine they want to highlight their conference in that kind of situation. Yeah, uh, so. right, 100%. Oh, it's called the uh, Ticket Smarter Birmingham Bowl. Yikes. Ooh, yeah. yeah. I don't know about that. It's a rough one, but who knows? So, yeah, yeah. keep track of it. You just need one more win to guarantee a bowl. 
Yeah. Possibly a bowl at five and seven, but there's not really much negative we could say about the Indiana game. We just had everything break our way. Like the ground game got reestablished. The the Lions both looked great. Julius Turner had his best game possibly of his Rutgers career. Which is according crazy because yeah. he didn't even like dominate the snaps on the interior. It was like kind of like I think it was 33 31 between uh, Ham or Turner and Hamilton. So it's kind of, yep. they both look good. They both look very, very good. So, I mean, Rutgers future on the interior, everyone complained about it at the start of the season. And now it's, it's, it's kind of turning into a strength and it's kind of, it's kind of weird to say that. Yeah. And I wonder if, I mean, Greg touched on this in the press conference this week where he was saying that there's nothing Julius did wrong. It's Keontae more so is emerging as a legitimate interior threat on the team. And he said that basically every position is made better with a fresh guy versus a tired guy. And maybe that's part of why Julius had such a great game is because every rep he was going in, it was almost 100% of his effort that he could give rather than he's just in every single snap and he's playing worn down each game. I, I don't know. That's just yeah. kind of No, no. I mean, I, I'm actually the one that asked him about it. Uh, okay, yeah. Yeah, so I, I was very curious too between that and then uh, MyJ getting a start. And MyJ looked pretty good. I mean, um, I was intrigued yep. to see how MyJ and Turner would kind of work together just because they're both kind of that pass rusher type. But it's – um. It worked out. My J looked good. I think if you can get him to come back for another year, that would be huge for Rutgers. Um, yep. Obviously, Turner's going to leave due to graduation. He'll probably, he probably will get a shot at the NFL. I don't know how much of a shot he'll get, but <clears throat> due to his size, it's going to hurt him a little bit. But I do think he'll he'll test pretty well. He's pretty quick for his size. Um, he, the pad level is perfect for him. I don't know. I'm intrigued to see what he does in the next level if he gets that shot. Um, but then Hamilton's going to fill in perfectly. Like oh, yeah. uh, any argument there. Uh, I'm trying to think who else. There's, there's someone else I'm missing on the interior. Um, oh, Chroma. Um, Chroma's uh, looked decent too. I mean, he's finally. I had a Hanatu. A Hanatu. Hanatu's been good. Chroma's looked good. They, these guys are starting to look better and better. And I, I think um, the more and more guys they add each year, it's just going to, you're starting to see these Shiano guys starting to shine too, which is a huge step up for this program. I know. Ton of Ash guys that uh, have been struggling have been slowly getting bumped down and down and lower and lower on the depth chart, and it's you're starting to see like what this program can be when they recruit well. Yeah, I'd say on our defense, like, and this isn't hyperbole. I'd say there's legitimately like two guys who are freshmen that have legit first round, first day uh, NFL draft uh, possibilities as their like ceiling outcomes in, in Hamilton and Tyreem. Just yeah, the, the athleticism. Tyreem's going to be good, man. Like I, you, you saw a glimpse of it this weekend. I know we've hyped him up quite a bit on the boards over the year or over the, this year. Um, he's going to fill in perfectly. I think Fadokasi graduates and I think Powell slides right in and might even be a better product at the end of his career. It's crazy to say that, but it's, they're different a little bit as Powell's more of the modern linebacker to type the skinny yep. athletic type, whereas Fadokasi is the old school sideline to sideline going to hit you in the nose type of linebacker. Yeah, no, I mean, the coverage is the name of the game at this point in, in terms of elite linebacker play, and, and Powell's showing the ability to, to be a, an asset in coverage, which I can't remember the last time we've had a really good coverage linebacker. Um, I don't know, actually. I can't even think. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's and, and I see Moses Walker as like a, an elevated version of Fadakasi. I mean, that's, that's not really a great comparison, but if we're trying to talk about like a, a comparison of what's on the team now versus what we're getting in recruits. I think Moses Walker could be much, much better than 03. It'd be the same kind of hard-hitting guy in the yeah. middle. Yeah, and then the crazy part is they don't sleep on Kyrie Banton. This man is going to be very, very good. Yes. 
I think, I think honestly, like I know they run a ton of nickel, but I think that's out of necessity due to the linebacker play being in. Eh. So, I mean, I, th- I think you're going to go back to that traditional four, three, you're going to have Benton Walker. Anthony Johnson is going to be a very good interior linebacker at the next level. Um, Powell is going to be a very, very good linebacker. Benton Walker. Um, I'm trying to, there's someone else I'm missing. I can't think of off the top of my head, but they're, they're just going to be, they're going to have a very good linebacker core for years to come. It seems like. Yeah, I 100% agree. Oh. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we had a lot of happenings in Rutgers sports this week before we get to the Penn State football talk. Um, field hockey lost in the Elite Eight to Liberty. And, I, I mean, I'm proud of the team. But, man, field hockey has to be the hardest sport to watch in all <laughs> college athletics. Like, it is just – like, you can't shoot and score outside of a certain circle around the goalie. So, like, it's just like this slog of, like – you know, intercepted passes and whistles that don't even make sense with no contact. Like it is a really hard sport to watch. Understanding yeah. it probably would help that, but. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I don't get it either, to be honest. I know some of the fouls, like you can see the team gets what's going on and I'm just sitting there I'm like, what the hell is happening? Yeah. I don't understand a thing, but they had a good run. Um, I don't think, I think it's a little bit of luck at this point in a shootout. I think yeah. every shootout's luck, but. Yep. Yeah. What are you going to do? Um, move on. They had but, a good season. Number one in the number one in the tournament. So, I mean, they were the number one seed. Yeah. Overall. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough. I, I don't know the last time a number one seed has actually won an NCAA tournament. I'm, I'm just going like to hoops because oh. that's the only one I really watch. I've never watched. I don't think I've ever watched another NCAA tournament. The more I think about it other than hoops. Do you count wrestling? Oh, never mind. I, t- I take it back. Wrestling too. Okay. Yeah. But it, it, they had a good run. They had a good good year, and um, just kind of build on that. Keep recruiting well, and uh, I guess you got a lot of people are bringing up they have to invest a little more in the field over there. I'm intrigued to see what else you can kind of do with that. I don't know how big of a fan section they'll get each game, but I mean, yeah, every every um, yeah. Olympic sport is starting to get better and better. Yeah, speaking of that, uh, women's soccer also a number one seed in the SLA tournament. They won their opening round game two to nothing over uh, Bucknell, which, uh, like we previously had mentioned, Greg Shiano's daughter's on that team. And he actually probably got to watch that game because yeah. the game got pushed back from Saturday to Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, so now they face off against St. Louis on Friday at 5 p.m. at Yersack Field. Um, I mean, they didn't look great in the first round. I watched most of that game, but they did just – they had a lot of offensive opportunities that just weren't able to, to put it in the back of the net. Their first goal, they actually had four attempts on goal, like within 30 seconds of actually scoring. They just kept missing, I guess. There's no really better way to say that. They just were hitting defenders. But, uh, yeah, they're still in the tournament. They're, they got a, I thought they had a better chance of winning that tournament than the field hockey team had winning their tournament, just based on, you know, how many really, really good teams. Like Because the field hockey team tournament's only like 20 teams, I think, or 24 teams. Uh, and they're all like, yeah, they're all really good teams. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. It's another thing to keep track of. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I looked at St. I'm looking at St. Louis's schedule right now, and to, I think they lost their first three games of the season: Xavier, Iowa, Kansas. They lost to Rhode Island, VCU. Like, they they should be able to beat this team, I would think, ideally. Yeah. But um, I, I don't know. I don't know if they can if they have what it takes to win it all. Ideally, they do, but we'll see what happens. It's just kind of a wait and see. Soccer's a uh, Another game that could go either way. Yep. They did get Gabby Prevenzano back. She got hurt in the Big Ten tournament final. It looked pretty bad. She had to get carried off. She was crying. Um, but she was able to play with a heavily wrapped knee. Um, and they could, in 
if things break a certain way, they could end up facing Princeton in a rematch in the Sweet 16. Uh, Princeton, yeah, Princeton's playing TCU, who's the the four seed on that side of the bracket. So we'll see if that ends up working out, but that would be a pretty fun game. Yeah, We'll go to it, but it'd be fun to watch. Um, Men's basketball had three games over the last week uh, since our last pod. They're 3-0, but I think there is a lot of signs for concern on this team. Uh, They went 0-3 against the spread if you're better which kind of sucks. Uh, they're just not shooting well. Um, I don't know if Richie and I were talking about this beforehand, but if anyone follows shot quality, uh, it's like a website. It's basically like PFF for, for hoops. It judges every shot based on like the quality of the shot, the, the quality of the shooter, et cetera. So they have a stat uh, called uh, rim and three rate. So it's the percentage of shots that you take either at the rim. So, you know, a, a dunk, a layup or at three. Rutgers has the second worst rim and three rate of the entire NCAA of the all 357 D1 programs. They're only shooting they're only getting shots off 66% of the time from three or at the rim. It just means that they're not getting they're not running an offense that gets good shots, which is kind of evident if you're watching them. What's that? They're running an offense. Uh, that's a, that's a good point. Uh questionable. Uh it's hard to watch this team. They just Nobody looks like they have any confidence in taking an open shot when it's there. They're missing a lot of bunnies near the hoop. They're missing a lot of wide open threes. They're only shooting 21% from three on the season. And Ron and Gio are the only ones hitting shots at above 30% from beyond the arc. I I do think they're struggling. They're not really running any kind of traditional offense. It's just kind of like a, Pass, cut, pass, cut, pass, cut. Like, it's nothing crazy. Like, it's just no one's able to create their own shot. I mean, Geo does at times. Of course, you saw it last night. He's able to create that little bit of space off his little dribble move and um, uh, step back and all that. Other than that, I mean, most of the shots are either just like a mis, uh, miscommunication on, def- on the defensive side and someone's open, but it's it's been ugly. Like, it's been very ugly. They should not have been losing at halftime to an NJIT team that's, that's not very good. No, they're not very good. They they played all the same opponents as us, so it's easy to kind of see where they stood coming into the game. We were a much more talented team. I think we've been losing every game at halftime, if memory serves me correct. Yeah, like, I, I actually kind of thought it was a little funny. I don't know if you saw Rutgers basketball put out a tweet yesterday. They're like, we're plus 40-something after in second half this season. And it's like, yeah, but you're minus like 30-something in the first yeah, half. Yeah, we, we've been down at halftime in every single game including down seven to friggin' Merrimack, who's probably the worst team will play all year. Yeah. Uh, yeah, neither that or Lehigh. They're both pretty bad. I, I do think yeah. Lehigh had a hell of a shooting night, and I think that's a big reason why. I mean, all, all three teams had a hell of a shooting night. Look at Dylan O'Hearn yep. last night. We were talking about it. He's He just it was hitting everything. They were banking threes at one point. I know. I think it's, at it's some like, point, I think they they shot seven for 11 from three in the first half. They, yeah. they cooled down in the second, but I, they they're shot, not playing. Shot 29 threes. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And they hit 38%. That's pretty, not the worst. Like, that's just dumb luck. And on top of that, like, like I said, you, like you just said, seven of 11 from three in the first half. That's, that's a really good stat. Like they just, yeah. I don't even know what to say. They just, they did really well. And it doesn't help when your best big man literally uh, got hurt in what, seven minutes in six minutes in something like that yeah that was scary i'm glad that it wasn't something more serious and he was able to come back into the game but i mean we lose cliff and 
this is going to be a long season. I, we, in my opinion, we don't make the NCAA tournament if Cliff misses extended periods of time. I, I fully agree. I, after seeing a G put up what with the center position, I know Carino tweeted out too. The center position yesterday gave our gave you two points and two rebounds in the first half. That's that's not good at all. I mean, no. I don't need to spell it out for you. That is very very bad. And we're not even in Big Ten play yet. We're going to see Kofi. We're going to see Hunter Dickinson. Like, we're going to see, like, studs on almost every team we play at the center position. I, Cliff is going to be tired this year. I'll tell you right now. He's, he's going to have to play 28, 30 minutes a game in the Big Ten play if they want to win games. Um, Aji's good. He's okay. I don't think he's good enough to compete against those guys. It's going to be tough. You might even see a little bit of Luke Nathan at some point, which is crazy. Or Dean Reber's got to play more, I guess, at this point. Mm. I know he didn't play at all yesterday, but. And we, we got to talk about it. Arguably your best defender in Moat Mag, supposedly, according to Pike, and he gets a minus seven on the day, the lowest of the yeah, team. Yeah, he's been a disaster on offense, too. They have so – shot quality also has, like, individual player stats. Yeah. And he's in, like, the, the second percentile of offensive players in the NCAA in terms of his, his shot quality and his, his yeah, shot making. He's taking some questionable ones, and they're, they're just not – Good looks. I do think I, I actually preached on the board before. I, I think you got to play Jones more. I get the technical is probably stupid, and that's why I benched him a little bit. But the kid doesn't. The kid's probably your best offensive player, arguably. Um, yeah, him or Ron, I'd say. Another guy that can create his own shot. He can also take the ball up. You got to make some changes here to the lineup. I think Hyatt probably should be a starter over McConnell. I think McConnell off the bench kind of fits more to his play style. He could be that little spark. <laughs> along with Jaden Jones in that second unit, who can also be a spark. I'd, I'd even argue you could probably start him, too. Yep. Um, okay, he's been struggling. I think he's passed up so he's... open shots, and it's like, what do you shoot? Like, I get it. Like, you struggled. Like, what, what was it, like 2 of 10, 2 of 9 yesterday? He and misses a ton of shots in, like, in the uh, in the paint, too. It's such crazy. Like good, like, like, good looks, too. Like, I know against um, – Maybe not as much against NJIT, but against Merrimack, he had a couple real or was it Merrimack or was it um Lee? Whatever it was. He had he does those little like pump fake hesitation moves and then he gets open and he puts it up and it's just miss, miss, miss. And it's like he he gets good looks. He's I mean, he's five of twenty-six from the field on the season. Man. That's gonna go up. But it's it's almost like he does ninety-five percent of a great basketball play, and then when it's finally time to release the yes. ball, he just yeah. Short arms it. And then when it comes to his passes, his passes like to Cliff on alley oops and stuff are like perfectly on point. It's like, why, yep. if you could just figure out how to shoot, like, oh, he'd be such a good player. But regardless, I, I think they need to switch it up. I think you're going to have to try some new things. Um, I don't know if it's switching Hyatt and, Mul- or Hyatt and McConnell, maybe, I don't know, maybe Mulcahy off the bench to put Jones in with Baker. Just you got to switch something up. It doesn't matter who the starter is at the end of the day. These guys are going to play near equal minutes anyway, so it doesn't matter. But I think some switching something up against this this DePaul team is going to be interesting on Thursday. They're not yeah, De- great, dude, DePaul. DePaul has scored ninety-seven or more points in both their games they played so far. I know, but it's just like we're the, not going to be able to keep up with that pace. We need to play really good defense against them. Against who they play? Charleston, I think it was in Central Michigan. They played Central Our Michigan, team. and yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. They are scoring a ton, but Central Michigan, though, that's impressive to score 99 on them. Uh, Copen State, I, I mean, I don't read too much into that one. That one's kind of like Rutgers playing, playing Lehigh, but yeah, what are you gonna say? I, I yeah, don't this, know. I, I'm indifferent on this DePaul team because this is also a team that had five, six wins last year, I think it was. 
Yep. So I, I don't really know what to expect. You just got to hope that Pike has his guys ready, and that's that's kind of it. And you got to hope these guys are not playing down their competition every single game. Yeah, because this schedule is about to get tough. We're playing at DePaul, we play Lafayette, then at UMass, we play Clemson at home. Then we're right into Big Ten play. We play at Illinois and Purdue. And then at Seton Hall, who just had a huge win last night. Like, this schedule, for as much as it's gotten shit on, it's about to get really fucking hard. Yeah, that, that UMass team, I'm, I'm not so sold on. I don't really think they're that good. I did watch them Tuesday, when Monday night, whatever it was. Yep, Monday set night. Penn State. Yeah, Monday night against Penn State. Um, they're interesting. They're a little bit – bigger than Penn State, and I think Penn State might actually, I hate to say this, be a bottom three team in a Big Ten, bottom two team at this point. They have no big men that are good. John Harar is okay, but... I was going to say, uh, wasn't their their best player a big man who we were, like, recruiting the transfer portal? Yeah, that, that was John to go back. He, he's, okay. he's, he's pretty decent. He's um He would have been a nice fit behind Cliff, but... um Yeah, no, they, they didn't look good at all versus UMass. UMass was hitting a ton of lucky buckets, too. Um it's ironic because their best player for UMass in this game, Butrick, is uh, a former Penn State uh, letter winner. So it's kind of ironic. Oh, really? That he led the team in points against them. Wow. Uh, so yeah, it was uh, it was pretty wild to see. But I, I do think they'll be able to outmatch this UMass team. I think they'll beat Lafayette. It's this Thursday game is the one that intrigues me, and this is going to kind of tell you if they're ready or not for that next step. I, I do think they are playing down to their comp. I know after talking to the guys after game one. Game two, I forget what it was. I keep forgetting. It's been so hectic lately. But yeah, um, they, they just sounded very confident and very like a little, little bit cocky for a team that went to overtime with Lehigh. And I'm like, okay, like what the hell's going on here? Like this is a little weird. <laughs> if you notice, Pike keeps mentioning these distractions. So I don't know if it's just they don't have they're not putting in the effort because there's because other teams just as like that bad or like they need a little bit of a boost or a morale boost or something to get this guy get these guys going. Yeah, and it seems strange because these guys have seemed to be so locked in all summer and all preseason. They're, like, doing all these, like, you know, double sessions at the gym. Like, they're in there at 5, 6 in the morning. It doesn't seem, at least from afar, that it's an effort problem. But I'm not in the locker room. I'm not, you know, inside the program either. So. Of course. It, it's, it's weird. I don't know what they're going to do. They're um, <laughs> We're going to have to just see Thursday and hope they kind of get that little uh, effort boost and we'll see what happens. So once they go on a run, I think it's that's fine. Game over. They can probably run with anybody. It's just they haven't been shooting well at all, like from three especially. They're just chucking some things at this point. Yeah, and I mean, they have had a couple seasons like recent in recent memory where they have kind of lost some easy games early in the season. I hope that's not the case this year. But, you know, they lost to St. Bonaventure early in the season. They lost to Fordham early in the season a couple years ago. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see. But. They really do need a, a gut check. Kind yeah, of. If, if you look around college basketball in general, people are losing left and right to random opponents. I know Nebraska has a loss already. I think it was Western Carolina that beat them, actually. Um, there's a couple Big Ten teams that have losses. I can't even think off the top of my head. But it's not just the Big Ten. It's every college. Like, every big-name college is just losing games <laughs> left and right. And it's – we don't really know what to expect. Like, it's, it's college basketball. Anything can happen any given night. So. Yep. We'll see. I do think they win this Thursday. I don't know how much. I think it's probably going to be like a seven, six point spread. I would think, maybe less. Yeah, away game. Yeah, know. and like you said, it might just be as simple as them just deciding to turn it on and not, you know, play down to these guys anymore. But yeah. ultimately, we'll see. Stay tuned. It's going to be a good game. Yeah. Um, I'll watch. 
the transfer portal starting to heat up a little bit. We've had uh, coaches start to reach out to kids. It's really only been wide receivers or linemen, which I guess fits in with the kind of things we've addressed as needs. Um, so I think we mentioned last week they, they reached out to Joshua Moore, the Texas wide receiver. They've also reached out to a couple other wide receivers in the portal. Jaden Blue, who went to high school in Jersey. I want to say he went to Petty or Petty, one of those. Was, yeah. yeah. I don't know if he's actually from New Jersey, though. Pennsylvania native, if I recall correctly, but a New Jersey high school product or actually I take it back. Maryland native. I'm looking at it now. Okay, so he's a Maryland native with the high school in New Jersey. Um, He should be a guy we're going after hard. I don't know how hard we're actually going after him. Full disclosure. I don't know how hard we're going after any of these guys. Full disclosure. But based on certain evidence, we could determine who they're actually contacting. Yeah. Uh, The other receiver. Go on. No. No, just the other receiver we just started talking to yesterday was Micah Pittman, who's Michael Pittman Jr.'s brother. Uh, He's leaving Oregon after a few uh, lackluster years production-wise, but everybody isn't really producing through the passing game at Oregon. Uh, What were you going to say about Jaden Blue? Uh, Jaden Blue is interesting. He's just like – he's kind of like a – I don't want to compare it to Shank, but he's he's got that kick return ability. He's a pretty good wide receiver, but he's regressed so much since his sophomore year, and I don't really know the reason yeah. why to that. I think he had a 1,100 yards sophomore year, and then he's regressed to like 300 year, last year, which I, I get it last year. I don't really count because everything that happened was weird. But then uh, this year, I don't think he's done much either. But I, you can credit that to Temple just being bad in general, so – yeah, he's the only wide receiver in Temple history to have a thousand yard receiving season. That's that's a pretty wild stat, actually. Um, <laughs> Temple's bad. I do think they're going to fire their head coach, and I, I know we've talked about it. You're going to have to watch out for Fran Brown, Elijah Robinson. Um, I don't even know if they go. Who else could they go? Al Golden. Right? Uh, I, I I don't know. I Maybe don't know. Al Golden. I mean, he I, he would I'd be, be intrigued to see like. All these like schools around the Northeast that are replacing coaches, I I do see one of them just plucking a Rutgers guy. I think like a guy like Nunzio could be an OC at like a Temple or UConn. Would he leave? Would Rutgers just match the salary and say screw it, you're not going anywhere? Possibly, but I, I do think Nunzio is going to be a candidate. I think Fran Brown. I mean, hell, Fran Brown got DC offers this past offseason, said no, got a pay raise all of a sudden. Coincidentally, really? but that's yeah. some uh, that's some spicy tea there. Yeah, that's the Big Ten school try plucking them. You can only guess where that is. Do you have a helmet of theirs in the background? No, I don't actually. Oh, okay, that's oh. I, that's surprising. I, yeah, I figured well, he'd be a great fit for Penn State. Same area though. I guess you can kind of figure out based on that. Apparently, Maryland oh. offered him a DC gig. Said no. Wow. Rutgers fucking up his pay, and there you go. And now he's staying. So that's why I'm like intrigued. I don't, I guess they, is Rutgers going to match Temple's head coaching salary of 2.5 million for Fran? No, no, but I don't think he gets the head coaching job. I think it's a scenario where if you're Temple, you go after Elijah Robinson, get him, give him head coach, say, screw it. Elijah, you're from Jersey, South Jersey area, take over, run the program. Who's going to be his first phone call. It's going to be Fran Brown. And he's going to make sure they have over a mil for Fran Brown. Now, are you paying Fran Brown over a mil? Some would argue probably you probably should if you're Rutgers. Yeah, you should. But but like you're gonna pay him three hundred thousand more than your DC. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean it's an interesting dilemma. It. It's like six fifty I mean, for Fran Brown, seven hundred for Rob Smith. It's like hmm. Fran, do you want more money? Like so so here's just the thing I'll say. It seems like 
at least this time around, Shiano has more pull with the purse strings. So yeah. I'm sure that he has a, a little bit more wiggle room with trying to keep coaches. Uh, yeah, 100%. And plus, he's, he's going to want to learn under Shiano. He's going to learn a lot more under Shiano um, yep. in terms of DB. Being a DC eventually, I do think he gets the title at some point. I don't know when he'll be ready for that. I don't think he's ready yet to be that. But I think for a Temple, I think that's a good starter up. And like, hey, like if you do good at Temple, we're just going to pay you again in two years and be like, hey, come back. Yep. So, and then I, I don't know. It's an interesting scenario because I think Elijah Robinson could be a hell of a head coach. I think he's a very good recruiter, very good D line coach. Um, obviously, he's getting paid like 1.3 or 1.4 mil down at Texas AM to be strictly their uh, D line coach. So, yep. that says it all. Now, is Temple going to be able to convince him? I, oof, I don't know. He's him and Mike Elko, their DC down there, like hip and hip. They're like a uh, buddy buddy. They're not going to go anywhere without each other. That's where it's like, does, would you offer Mike Elko the job and then bring in Elijah as DC and then maybe try to flip Fran? But I don't know. Either way, I do think Temple has a good scenario on their hands, and I think they could step into Rutgers territory a little bit, South Jersey, if they make the right hire. If not, Rutgers continues to dominate. It's Temple in South Jersey, Philly area. Um, they're probably going to continue to pluck Temple guys left and right. And that goes back to Jaden Blue. It's like – yeah, Maijay's been good. Brassville hasn't played. And who's the third? Uh, Noagu has, like, third string at this point. Yeah. So I don't know. Like, it's it's a crapshoot with transfers. We'll see what happens. But we got way off topic. <laughs> no, I no, it's way, fine. I this is good. <laughs> um, I did have one question about um, while we're on the topic. It seems, and this is kind of Penn State related, it seems like Penn State historically hasn't had much success with Philly guys. Uh, and I've heard of, like, a term called, like, a Philly offer, which um, I don't know if you've heard that or not thrown around what does that mean and why haven't they had much success with Philly why haven't they had much success I, I can't answer yeah. that one um they, they've done a little better recently um they landed uh Samuel Brown's teammate Abdul Carter Abdul Carter he's a stud yep he's gonna be really good and that's like but I, at the same time it's like Rutgers playing at Walker so it's like that one's a little like you can kind of understand um Rutgers can't be that mad about that one I don't think they pushed Carter that much um, didn't other, sound like it because it sounds like Sam Brown and him are really tight and Brown yeah, committed no, first. They were very close. I know Rutgers like had him on campus once or twice, if I recall. Mm -hmm. um, the big thing that Penn State's doing really well that it sucks because Rutgers can't do this and they don't have an in-state community college program or county college program that is going to produce JUCO, whatever you want to call it. Lackawanna? Like, yeah, Lackawanna has like a very, very good connection to Penn State. Uh, in terms of credit transfers, it helps out a ton. They, I think they win like two or three every year. I think they have one, two, looking right now. I think they only have, they only have two committed this year. But Jaquan Brisker, or not Jaquan Brisker, um, Jair Brown, they're starting safety right now. Jersey native, a oh. little under, yeah. undersized, went to Lackawanna. Now he's one of the best DBs in the Big Ten. He's got four picks this year. Yeah, he's been really good for Penn State. Give me a name to watch this weekend too. But they, um, they it's just such an – big advantage they have so when they're recruiting juco they don't really have to focus as much on high school kids they're going to land three or four a year um but in terms of philly area like they're they're doing decent they got ken Towie, who's going to be pretty good they got I'm trying to see who else ken Towie, keon wiley's a really good linebacker abdul carter really good linebacker um yeah i mean they're, they're going to throw out offers all over pa kind of what Rutgers does with jersey they'll give a kid an offer we know it's not committable but <laughs> It helps process the kids' recruitment, get you in the good graces of the head coach or that program. 
uh, get you in the good graces of that area because they're like, oh, Rutgers offer, like, oh, great, congrats. And then it helps helps boost kids. Like, it's just something like Rutgers does with Jersey, Penn State does with PA. I'm sure Maryland does it with Maryland. They're not going to take every Maryland kid, but they'll throw out offers and be like, hey, let's see who's interested and go from there. Gotcha. Yeah. That makes sense. The same thing, like everyone does. So just to touch on the other uh, transfers that we've hit up so far, uh, we have one from Clemson. These are all offensive linemen, by the way. His name's Paul Chio. He was a top 100 guy or top 250 guy coming out of high school. John Paul Flores is the left tackle at Dartmouth, who is a complete unknown coming out, but he's developed into a really strong left tackle for them. And Curtis Dunlap, who is a guard from Minnesota, who's a massive human being. He's like 6'6", like 350 or something. I think he's listed at. So they're hitting the portal hard for – for guys that they feel are worth it. Um, this is going to heat up a lot after the season ends and guys get fired. Like there's been a lot of coaching turnover and I expect a decent amount more like, like the amount of head coach, like really high level head coaching jobs available right now is pretty crazy. And I'd imagine that those teams are going to poach head coaches from elsewhere. So it's only going to get crazier. Yeah. I mean, speaking of a uh, one transfer guy that he reached out to, they reached out to Keaton Lyles, the center from, uh, yeah, Wisconsin. Wisconsin, yep. but he he went down to Florida State this weekend. Um, probably gonna end up committing there. He wants to take a couple more visits, but I think he stays in that SEC area. They just got a another transfer offensive lineman. Man, Florida State's cleaned up every year in the transfer portal. They got some kid named Bless Harris, I think his name is from uh, yeah D one AA. Um, but they get like ten guys in offseason. You know what I'm saying though? Like I said a couple podcasts ago, they'll screw recruiting D one. Obviously, the guys are either. If they're good enough, they're going up to a level, or if they're bad, they're just not going to play. Um, just go to the D1 AA route. Like these guys are producing at multiple schools this year. Yeah. And with the connections we have to places like Princeton, I know Princeton's got quite a few guys who probably could make an impact here. I know that there's, I think their left tackle is somebody named like Anthony Scaglioni, right? Is that yeah, his name? Uh, Anthony or Connor? Connor. Connor's getting it. Okay. Yeah, and he, he's been, yeah, he, he looks pretty good so far. It's like, all right, now we're talking. Now keep he's, I think he graduates this year too, or I might be wrong or next year. But uh, yeah, yeah and, and I know that the, the Ivy League at least doesn't allow like red shirts. So you only get really four years to play. Exactly. So, so I mean, why not go after these guys? Um, yeah, Scaglioni is their number three pass blocker and number one run, number, yeah, number one run blocker. I mean, if you need help, it's right there for you. It's down the street. It's a Jersey guy. You've probably recruited him if you're Aldrich or, or Gleason, one of the two. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. It, I mean, it, yeah, his numbers are against Ivy Leagues, but still. What, what, there's the one Harvard kid that started for Northwestern or Illinois. Uh, there's a Harvard kid who starts at Penn State, or he did start the season, uh, Eric Wilson. Yeah, no, he still starts. Yeah, so Harvard, oh, there you go. Harvard, Penn State. There was an Arkansas State kid starting for Illinois. There's another one starting for uh northwestern it's just like recruit the lower levels screw it at this point why not fcs yeah one double a kids aren't bad yeah these guys want to be able to showcase against some of the best defense or best offenses or defenses wherever they play in the ncaa and we're playing the big 10 we play good opponents we've shown the ability to develop guys so we should be a pretty desirable destination we're gonna play we're gonna offer we're gonna have playing time to offer to basically any position outside of quarterback next year quarterback yeah um yeah yeah pretty much actually the more i think about it maybe not running back but I'm, i don't see us going after running back. i mean um depends what pacheco does i guess yeah that's true so see what happens that's there true. does aaron young stay 
probably, but he hasn't been producing a ton. I guess recently, yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, it's going to be super exciting. I can't wait to, to see what else, who lands in the portal, what we end up doing in the portal, how many guys we decide to take from the portal. It's such like a, it, it's just uncharted territory. Like, just so new that I don't think teams really have a good grasp fully on how they're going to use it. So, uh, And then plus you get to replace up to seven scholarships now. Yep. You can go up to 33 technically in the class. Not that Rutgers is even going to hit 20 at this point, but um, yeah, that's, it's, it's definitely a weird off season between portal you can add guys but you can't go over the limit but you can and it's like i don't know the whole thing's just all types of fucked up the ncaa has to step in and either grant like an extra year of or get grant like an extra 10 scholarships for the limit of 85 or or don't give the extra seven like figure yeah, it out there should be some sort of like easing set in place to offset all those guys, like you said, because just the hard cutoff of 85 after this year is brutal for so many kids. I still think Rutgers has to cut weight. I think there's like seven or six spots they still have to cut. Like it's it's going to be a shame to watch. And like maybe they just won't ask most of the seniors back, but either way, like you got to do something here. Yeah, it's going to be – I think there's going to be a lot of turnover of guys who aren't really – playing much at Rutgers this offseason. That's not based on any inside information. That's just based yeah, on right. the number crunch, and it happens every year. So I just expect it to happen a little bit more this year. Yeah, I'm looking now. There's probably about like four or five you can count right now, right off the top of the bat. Yep. So, oh, well, they can do. All right, let's get to the Penn State preview here. So Richie is in the unique position of covering both teams. So I'll let you do most of the talking. I do have some notes on guys that – uh I think we should highlight, but talk about what Penn State does well right now. And I say right now because they have a lot of injuries, especially at quarterback, yeah. or at least most importantly at quarterback. So just talk about what they do well. Um, I mean, Jahan Dotson's easily one of the best receivers in the country. Um, he's unstoppable, in my opinion. It doesn't matter who he plays, who he's against. I think he's going to cause havoc for this Rutgers secondary. I know Malachi Melton has stepped it up a little bit in the past couple of weeks. This past weekend, he had that amazing one-handed, two-handed, whatever you want to call it, grab. I know yep. the announcer said one-handed, but if you watch again, it's like he definitely uses that second hand completely. I think for a moment in time, it was one-handed, but it was click. It wasn't like an OBJ one-handed. It was yeah. like he brought it into two hands. I guess you you can argue that one, but um, yeah, Sean Clifford's been um, been pretty decent actually this season. He hasn't been the worst. Um, it's kind of impressed me a little bit just because of how tough he's been. Uh, rumors have it is that he's got a slight injury in his rib area, um, but he's still running the ball. Like, uh, obviously, this offensive line for Penn State is not good at all, and that's part of the reason the run game has sucked. Um, I don't know if you saw last weekend, there was a photo that went viral of the offensive line against the Michigan D-line, and I think two were on the ground, One's over here, one's over there, and the, the guard is just trying to block like three at the, at the same time, and it just it doesn't work. It, no, I, I didn't see that. I compare it, but it, it's like it, eerily similar to photos we've seen of the Rutgers offensive line in the past. So, I mean, both O-lines are very bad. I'm intrigued to see how a guy like Turner does against this line, um, how a guy like Hamilton even steps up more. Uh, to Ray, that's going to be the matchup to watch out for. If Rutgers wants to have a shot in this game, they're going to have to disrupt the quarterback. They're going to have to get the Clifford, make him throw some off-balance stuff. In terms of Penn State's run game, it's very bad. Like, it's it's brutally bad. It's Numbers are almost equal to Rutgers, I would say, in terms of yards. Yeah, I, 
I, I actually looked that up and they're, they're top four rushers, which are their top four running backs. They have yeah. 232 rushes on the season for 895 yards, which is 3.8 yards per carry and five touchdowns on the season. That's their, their whole running back room. Yeah. They, they keep trying to switch it up. I know Kayvon Lee was, is their backup, but started last weekend. Noah Kane's been God awful. Um, John Lovett has barely played at all, which is intriguing to me because why, why transfer there in the first place? Cause you're going from Baylor where you were, I think top, top guy at one point. Yeah. To and the, Penn State, where you're the third string. I mean, maybe he starts next year, but they also have Devin Ford, who's on the come up, probably going to redshirt this year. Actually, I, he might have already broke his redshirt. The more I think about he's, it, he's. I mean, he's got. I, I think he had like 11 carries on the season. Yeah. The weird thing about the uh, the Lawn Boys, as they call themselves, is that they're all like high four star, five star type kids. Like I think yeah. Noah Kane and Devin Ford were like the number one running backs in their class. So what is it about their running back room that they're not getting production out of? Because talent's not the issue. Um, I think it goes back to the offensive line a little bit. I, I want—I don't want to blame them for 100% of it because just like Rutgers, you can't blame the offensive line 100% for their run game either. But at the end of the day, like 60 70% is on this O-line. They have to protect better. They have to create those holes. If you're not creating these holes, then these guys have nowhere to go. They're Most of the time, they're getting stopped in the backfield sometimes – or. 90, no, not 90, probably like 70% of the time they're getting stopped in the backfield. Like it's not good. Um, other than that, they just look lost when trying to find those lanes. It's, it's eerily similar run games in this, this Rutgers Penn state matchup. Both are struggling. Both have bad offensive lines. Both are struggling to find those holes on the inside. Um, maybe do more outside runs at this point. I, I don't even know how you fix it other than switching up the interior on the offensive line, which again, hasn't been good on either side. So you said we have eerily similar situations, at least in terms okay. of production. No, no, I, I just production, want to highlight yes. that. We have eerily similar predi- predicaments in terms of production. Yes. But if you look at Penn State's offensive line, it's filled with high-level talent. They were. They, I remember seeing articles this year in the preseason about how they're setting up for an elite offensive line. Like PFF really liked their prospects. Rasheed Walker was talked about as a potential first-round pick. Yeah. And it seems like from what, what I've been seeing, he's like kind of checked out this season. Uh, Caden Wallace was a high level guy at the at right tackle, and he's arguably the worst player on their offensive line right now. They've had injuries like Mike Miranda left last game uh, yeah. against Michigan, didn't come back. So I, I'd imagine he's questionable to play this week, even though you guys don't really release an injury report. Why yeah, are no they? Un- yeah, but some kind of do. Uh, um, yeah, you know what's crazy is that some like will give you like full down to the details type stuff, then you have like the big 10 programs and they're like nope you don't get to know anything it's like, so, oh. so what would you point to the reasoning why the offensive line at penn state's struggling it's, i don't even know it's like an overall I, you know what the biggest thing is that i'd probably say is it david new line coach and phil tratween tratween I, I always pronounce guys names wrong jersey guy yeah so went to boston college right yeah for, forgive yeah. me for pronouncing it wrong but i i'm horrible with <laughs> pronunciations um, but yeah, he's, he doesn't have his guys in there yet. I think that's why they're such a big emphasis on, even with them with the portal, they're going to try to land some offensive linemen via the portal. They're going to, they added a couple already in the, or they're added in a couple next year via, um, the high school route, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. They, they need to do something. Like I said, these aren't his guys. I don't want to say it's the same situation with all rich over at Rutgers, but it kind of is. That's why they're, they're adding five offensive linemen this off season. Five or six, six at this point. Uh, it's five, and they probably will add at least one in one the transfer portal, portal as well. Like, yeah, you but I mean, we're we're starting a like converted left, or, like defensive end at tackle at different games. Like, I think our situations are 
different but similar at the same time like you're kind yeah, of alluding to most definitely um they're adding like very talented guys i know they're adding another juco guy like we were talking about before and jb nelson out of lackawanna so they're, they're gonna try to rebuild that line just like every other team is at this point unless you're alabama getting consistent five star after five star after five star like you got to rebuild these lines and it's going to take time it's not going to like happen overnight most of these guys uh, in the interior on the line um take at least three, two, three years to develop and actually become like legitimate starters. So it's just, it's a waiting game at this point for Penn state. And I guess Rutgers too. Yeah. You mentioned transfer portal. Uh, Penn state had one of the best, uh, they landed one of the best players ultimately from the transfer portal last year. And Arnold Ebikidi, I want to say his name is yeah. he leads the team in sacks. He was previously at, tr- at temple. He's PFFs number nine, overall defensive end. He was a guy I really wanted to land at Rutgers because I mean, we have, uh, Panagos, he's our defensive line coach. He's the guy who recruited Epiketti yeah. to Temple. We landed a couple of his teammates last offseason. What makes him such a, a dominant force in the pass rushing game at, at Penn State? And why did he end up not giving Rutgers a look, if you know? Um, it's basically like you're a Pennsylvania guy. You kind of just want to keep moving up. Like Penn State's the next level up in Pennsylvania. Um, it's a big time program. I know some Rutgers fans won't agree. Penn State is the a one of the big time programs in the Northeast and in college football in general. Um, he's just he's just fast for like 6'4, 250, 260 type. He is very fast off that edge. He has great hand uh, hand placement. He just he knows how to get to the quarterback and he's not afraid to shove these offensive linemen down very easily, too. I might add. Um, there's not much more I could say about him. He's he's been successful at every every stop he's been at so far. I know I think he had eight and a half last year or four last year in the shortened season, then eight and a half this year, sacks wise. Yep. Um, very disruptive. I think he's going to be moved around quite a bit, trying to uh, attack these Rutgers tackles. Personally, if I'm Penn State, I'm not putting him against O'Neal. I'm probably going to put him against Pierce, not to give away any yep. info or whatever, but <laughs> I'm not trying to help one side or the other. But I do think uh, he might cause Pierce a little bit of havoc just because Pierce at 6'8", 340. He's going to have trouble like moving as quick as Abiketti does. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, just to kind of point out how dominant he's been, he's got almost half the sacks that Penn State has on the year. Like he's got eight, eight and a half out of the 19 team sacks and the second most guy, second most sack leader on Penn State has two. So yeah. he's been dominant for them. Um, ultimately, though, I think this game comes down to motivation. Like if Penn State comes out and puts the effort out, like football is a highly emotional game. If you're not fully bought into what you're about to go through, like you're just not going to be even the, like a, an opponent that has much less talent like Rutgers does. Mm-hmm. Like they, they completely didn't show up for Illinois this year. They didn't show up for Maryland or Iowa last year. Like Rutgers is going to come into this game, fire the fuck up. Like they have bowl eligibility on the line at Penn State, who they view as a big rival. Penn State doesn't view Rutgers as a rival, which is understandable, but they really, really, really want to beat Penn State, and they can taste the bowl game. Do you think that Penn State will come into this game ready to play and motivated in any way similar to Rutgers? I I don't think they'll come in as motivated, but I do think they'll be pretty motivated. Um, This is senior day for Penn State, so a lot of these older guys are going to be very motivated just based on that alone. Um, They're coming off a very tough loss to Michigan, which if they did a couple of things a little bit differently, they probably should have pulled out that win. But whatever, it's in the past, move on. Um, They're they're not a bad team at the end of the day. Their defense is phenomenal. I think they're top 10 in opposing points per game, only giving up like 16 or 17. 
that's going to go against the Rutgers offense that is just not very good for the most part. Yeah, I don't know what the hell happened last week against this very, very bad Indiana team. But, um, yeah, for the most part this season, Rutgers offense hasn't has been kind of stagnant at times, if not 75% of the time. Um, yeah, I, I do think they'll be pretty motivated. I think they'll be fine. I think they want to get this win under their belt and then kind of take that momentum into Michigan State to end the season. And then maybe I – don't, I don't even know what the standings look like for the Big Ten at the moment, but they beat Mitt Rutgers. They beat Michigan State. They probably pray for an Ohio State loss at this point. <laughs> uh, are you talking about for uh, the title game consideration? Yeah, well, not even title game. So I – Actually, no. Penn State's three and four. They're not. They're they're eliminated from the Big Ten East so uh, I, I title convention. It, I take it back. I think they still have a shot at the Rose Bowl, though, if I'm correct. Um, I don't know the selection process for the Rose Bowl. We have five teams in the Big Ten ranked right now. I I was five and two. Maybe the loss against Michigan might have like X-nayed that completely. Yeah, there's five teams that are five and two or better, right, and right, Penn yeah. State's three and four. So. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. You kind of just try to get this win, get out of there quick, and then focus on Michigan State. Maybe they look ahead. Who knows? I mean, we've seen it happen before with Rutgers quite quite a few times, actually. But, uh, sure. yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I do think you're right, though. I think Rutgers has a lot of motivation going into this game. Um, it's it's going to be interesting to see because Franklin, I know he's not coaching for his job, so to speak, but – Going six and five, maybe six and six on the year as at Penn State is not going to fly with boosters and fans and everyone else, especially when you had yeah. a season that started out, what, five and oh? Yeah, talk about a fall from grace being the favorite, arguably, for like the LSU USC jobs to a few weeks later where they're kind of, I, I, I wouldn't say Penn State is looking for alternatives, but I don't think they'd be heartbroken if you left either, from what I can gather. My, my question is, is where else could they go? And is there a better option? Maybe there's one or two better options out there, but are they actually realistically going to pop up and go to Penn State? I, I don't think so, but. You know, like Matt Rule. Like, like is I, he going to leave that well, job? I don't think he leaves the NFL in the first place. I don't think he gets yeah. fired. I think he gets at least, at very least, one more year. He's got five years left on the deal. He's. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting one. That's probably one name that would probably be a little bit better, but I don't know how much better either too. Cause like Franklin's like this recruiting shark, which has done very well. I think he's got number three, number four class in the country currently, mm-hmm. excuse me, in 2022. So he's got a few like really, really good kids committed next year already as well. Yeah. 2023 already a top five class. Um, he's always going to recruit. Well, I think it's just a matter of, figuring it out on the field game day. He's got to work on a little bit. I don't know if it's his play calling that's causing them havoc at the end of the day. It might be the OC, DC. I mean, I, you know, I take it back. It's not the DC. DC has been phenomenal this year. Is that Pry? Yeah, Pry's Pry's yeah. been very good. He actually just got nominated for the assistant coach of the year award. The Broyles, the award. Broyles award. Yeah. Yep. And, hey, Sean Gleason was nominated last year. Yep. Not forget this year. Not so much. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know if they could do better than him. I do think Franklin signs an extension at the end of the day. It's been rumored about for months. I think the other stuff was probably Jimmy Sexton being the best agent there is out there pushing kind of this stuff a little more. Maybe like a small blurb would come out about him and LSU and Jimmy Sexton's probably out there on his little burner account tweeting like, all right, push it, push it, push it. We're going to get you another 10 mil. Push it. Well, here's another interesting wrinkle. I don't think there's going to be as many really good candidates available for these high level jobs that they normally would be. Yeah. So 
like if you look like LSU and USC should be able to have their pick of the litter. Like it sounds like Mel Tucker's on the precipice of signing a big extension there. I don't know if that's a negotiation tactic. Mel Tucker is kind of the type of person who doesn't seem to care about picking up and leaving for the better job. So I still kind of think he's not going to end up staying at Michigan state, but Dave Aranda is probably the second most popular head coaching uh, candidate and he'll probably end up at one of those jobs. But then if you look at like the second and third tier guys, sorry, second and third tier teams, yeah. like where are they going to go for a head coach? I don't know. That's, that's the big question mark. I do think the um, Dave Aranda does end up at USC at this point. Les Fickle decides to all of a sudden leave the state of Ohio, which doesn't seem probable. Yep. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. This is, this is like an interesting off season. This is the first off season in quite some time where there isn't a top, like top list of candidates out there. So I don't know. Maybe Urban Meyer comes back. Yeah. And well, like the poaching, I think could happen. Like if a team like LSU really ponies up and gets a guy like Lincoln Riley or Jimbo Fisher, then there's another huge opening. Like, it's just kind of like, it's a lateral move almost. Well, did you see Jimbo Fisher's quote yesterday or today? Maybe. Yeah. Wasn't it like he'd have to be the dumbest human on earth? I just recruited one of the best recruiting classes in uh, school history. Now I'm going to go play against them. Like I'd have to be the dumbest person ever. Yeah, I'd have to be dumb to let them all go to Texas A&M and not recruit them to LSU instead. Yeah, no, like, give me a fucking break. Like literally, just flip them right away. Like, come on. Yeah, whatever. So yeah, a very interesting time about to start up. For and this it kind leads of us back all the way to the Elijah Robinson thing. Hey, Temple Elijah, there you go. I definitely could see it. Uh, Rod Carey's still the head coach at Temple, but not okay. really sure how long that's going to last. Yeah, uh, months, not even too many. <laughs> All right, so we covered the teams that are going to be entering this Penn State Rutgers game. Let's talk about their predictions for the week. We're going around the Big Ten. The, the another weird marquee noon game for the Big Ten. They're playing on ABC. This one, it's uh, number seven Michigan State at number four Ohio State. Ohio State's a nineteen and a half point favorite in this one. Uh, Ohio State's been playing lights out. This is a huge number to cover for against Michigan State. I don't think Michigan State's really that great. 19 and a half is a lot of points, though, for a team that is really good. Um, so I'm going to say that Michigan State finds a way to cover this one. Uh, they don't really have the, the 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 personnel to really play from behind. Like, they're not a great – like, they're a great, like, hold the lead and grind it out type team. But coming back from a big deficit, questionable. I do think they cover the 19 and a half, though. Oh, yeah. I think they cover it 100%. But uh, who gets the Heisman moment this week? Is it Stroud? And he does he pull away right now, or does Kenneth Walker just make that gap a little bit smaller? So this is a really bad year for the Heisman. Like Stroud missed a couple weeks. Yeah. Who is I think the favorite at this point? Um, Bryce Young's been like okay. He hasn't been bad. He's been a good quarterback, but he he hasn't like he hasn't really had a crazy game he can really point to. Like he had a five touchdown game last week against New Mexico State, but that's New Mexico State. Yeah, that doesn't mean. Shit. Caleb Williams was in the top five in terms of odds recently. Like he missed a bench sort of. Yeah. They lost to Baylor. They, sh- I mean, that was an ugly game, uh, but he didn't play the first half of the season. So that just kind of goes to show how bad these candidates are compared to a normal year. Are we, are we back to Kenny um, Pickett for Heisman? Kenny Pickett is, Here's I think in the top five or six in terms of odds. Yeah. Uh, I think this could go a long way in determining who wins the Heisman. Uh, Kenneth Walker definitely needs some big games. I thought he was going to have a bigger game last week against Maryland. That was a big disappointment. They still won. He had like 120 rushing yards, but I think he only had two touchdowns. Like that should have been a game where he dominated, but he didn't. 
Yeah, and then uh, I think actually I take it back. I think Bryce Young might still be the leader somehow. Yeah, I shouldn't say somehow. Like he's putting up crazy numbers, but did you say Bryce Young was the leader? Or did you say Stroud was the leader? I forget. I think I think it, those are one and two. I don't know who has the highest odds right yeah, now. I think they were cl- they were closer than close. they were. And then yeah. Kenneth Walker's the guy here. Young, Stroud, Walker. Oh, Matt Corral, Pickett, Hart, Hartman, Sam Hartman. You know, and Travion Henderson. Oh, Wake Forest. Yeah, and then Travion Henderson right behind him. So I mean. It's it's gonna come down to a very these last couple of seasons. It's gonna be very interesting, actually. Which is a shame because if the Michigan State Michigan game happens this week instead of you know the end of October, that could really have shaped the uh, the, the Heisman conversation. But he still got two more weeks. I've got a decent amount of money on Kenny Kenny Walker for Heisman, so hopefully that works out. Yeah, I mean, I, if he does good this weekend and they pull out the win, I mean, I can't see a reason why he doesn't move up to at least like one or two probably two i would think over stroud so we'll see yeah. but i either way yeah i think michigan state covers i, I wouldn't it be crazy to see them pull out the both upset i don't think it would be either i think michigan state over the years has given ohio state some problems um mm-hmm. i think they had like a, a, a ohio state's only loss a few years ago um so we'll see i mean that was obviously under a different staff but so we'll see what happens, but I do think Michigan State does cover. Yep. The next game is Purdue at Northwestern. Northwestern is a an 11-and-a-half-point home dog. Um, Northwestern is not very good. I mean, Rutgers lost to them in an ugly game, but Purdue's playing really well. They were able to put up a ton of points last week against Ohio State, even though they lost. I'm going to say Purdue covers this one. Is Purdue back, sort of? That's a good question. Uh I don't really know. I mean, they, they're recruiting pretty well. They have a big time quarterback coming in this class. I think Bill's probably gone for the, from to the NFL this year. I mean, they're putting out like a ton of different wide receivers, like NFL level wide receivers, like between Rondale Moore and Bill this year. So yeah, they might be. Who knows? I mean, I, I think Aiden O'Connell's been pretty good, but I think Brady Allen coming in next year is going to be even better, which is crazy to say. But might not be ready right away. But they've played really well. They've beaten out of conference guys like Oregon State, UConn. They, Played pretty decent versus Notre Dame. They, they're knocking off top dogs in the Big Ten each week. They almost – I shouldn't say almost. They, they played very well against Ohio State. Um, yeah, I think they covered this 11 points very relatively easy. Definitely. Uh, next game is Illinois at number 17, Iowa. Iowa's an 11.5-point home favorite here. Illinois is – you know, you never know what you're going to get each week with Illinois, kind of similar to Rutgers and Penn State, where sometimes they just come in and play way better than you expect them. I think they beat Minnesota on the road as big dogs. Um, I have a hard time seeing this one just because Iowa plays pretty good defense. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say Iowa covers the spread here, but I could very easily see this going the opposite way. So, so based on simple math, their past five games have been win, loss, win, loss, win. So, so they got to lose this game. Exactly. Yeah. So, it, so it's a loss. Um, 12 points. I mean, I don't know if Iowa scores a ton or, or actually holds them to – I don't know. That's a weird spread. I don't know. This is one it like is, – yeah. we always have one each week that we don't touch, and this is one I probably wouldn't touch. But I, I guess I'll just go ahead and say Iowa probably pulls this one out. It's, I think it's going to be ugly, though. I do think it's going to be a very ugly game. Um I don't know what the hell Illinois does half the time. So at, between their offense running nine offensive linemen at some points. So it's, it's going to be a weird, weird game. I think it's going to be like very low scoring. I'd probably hit what's over under 38 and a half. 
probably lower than that, I would think. But yeah, yeah no, I not not a ton of scoring. I think Iowa yeah. covers, but like barely, like very, very close. Like 27-10. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Maybe even lower. 24-10. Yeah. Okay. I definitely see it. Uh, the next game is number six. Michigan is at Maryland. Maryland is a 14 and a half point home underdog here. Um, I mean, Maryland's been beaten down with injuries this year. Uh, they didn't look good against Michigan State last week. This is a lot of points, though, for a road team to come in and win by. Um, 13 and a half, I'd feel a lot better about than 14 and a half. But I'm going to say Michigan wins and overwhelms them in general, and they just grind them into pumice. Uh, pretty, I'd say that Maryland doesn't score more than, than 17 points in this one, and, and Michigan kind of just rolls them. Yeah, and that half point definitely makes it interesting because then it goes from two possession or not two possession, two touchdown to two touchdown extra point. Yep. So, I mean, our, our two point conversion, whatever, it's that makes it really interesting. But I do think Maryland's been beaten to a pulp recently, especially yep. between Ohio State, Minnesota, Penn State. They're only wins against Indiana. I thought Indiana was decent because most of their losses are against teams ranked 18 or higher. But after watching last week, Indiana Rutgers, I know Indiana sucks. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I guess you go Michigan points and just don't question it. Don't overthink yep. it. Yep. I mean, this is a game I probably won't have my money on, but since we're making I, picks here. Myself parlaying it somehow. Like a teased parlay? Yeah, like a, a just sort of like yeah. I'm gonna put a dollar down on like 12 games, and that might be one. Okay. Uh the next game. What'd you say? You catch me on Bleacher Report. One bet, one dollar bet wins like 20 grand. That'd be sick. Be I'm awesome. still waiting for that one. I'd be so uh, sick. I mean, I'd only bet a dollar at that point. I'd be like, fuck. Well, that's why you gotta make a, a lot of one dollar bets. Exactly. Feel so bad about it. One, one will hit eventually. Yeah. Um, next game is Nebraska's playing at number 15, Wisconsin. Wisconsin is an eight and a half point favorite in this one. I think this one's pretty easy. Nebraska has been beat down all year. Wisconsin's hitting its peak. Wisconsin has a lot to play for. If they win out, they can uh, represent the big 10 West in the big 10 title game. Uh, I'm going to say Wisconsin wins this one in, in a landslide. Four game losing streak versus five game winning streak. Uh, Wisconsin easily uh, eight and a half. You said eight and a half. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's not, the most ideal scenario, because I don't think Nebraska is the worst in the world this year. They've actually been pretty yeah. decent early on, but or middle of the pack, middle of the season, I guess. But uh, yeah, I don't know. That's a weird spread because they like you look at it. It's like 23-16 against Oklahoma, 32-29 against Michigan, 26-17 against um, Ohio State. I, I do think they might cover, actually. It's not out of the question. They're just. I do, I do think Wisconsin wins easily. They're also coming off a bye as well, which is something I, I didn't, I didn't account. Yeah, you're right. So hey, you never know. I mean, it's college football. It's the fun of it. Again, another game, 42 over under though. Don't like, go under. Just go under with yeah. every single Big Ten game. I'm over. I'm done with the overs. So. <laughs> well, other than Ohio, whoever Ohio State's playing, that's the yeah, only yeah. game that but, like, the seems over, to consistently go over. Just disgusting. Like at this point, every Big Ten game has just been. I hate to say it's boring, but it's been fucking boring. Yeah, it has. And it's surprising see, when it seems like Rutgers scores like 50, 40 games. I see Army versus Wake Forest, like 70 to 80. And I'm like, yeah, Big Ten football, 21 7. Damn. Yeah, and an Army scoring 80 or 70 points is it's so hard, too, because they run the freaking triple option. You just got to hope there's like these big breakaway plays. And some games you hit 
a dozen of them. That the biggest thing I've learned about the triple option is you'll win some you're supposed to, you'll lose some you're not supposed to. And it's like, yep. fuck, like it, it's weird. It works, I guess. It's chaos of. theory running that it. offense. Fucking hate it. <laughs> uh, so the last game before Rutgers Penn State is Minnesota is at Indiana. Uh, Indiana is a six and a half point home dog. Um, I mean, Indiana is putrid. I didn't think they were this bad, but if they're running, if they're rolling out Tuttle or McCully next week, Minnesota is going to destroy this team. I'm going to take Minnesota in the points. It's, it sounds like that. And then I don't know is um is Carr healthy or not? Like, I guess we don't know. Per se. I was, I, he, I, that was kind of a surprise and active last week. I, I, it seemed like he was okay. He was going to play. I didn't see anything specific. Yeah, and then about all him of a sudden, like game. last minute, they're like, yeah, he's not playing. I was like, all right, well. I guess I still have Indiana at this point. Can't back down now. But after yep. watching them last week, holy shit, they suck. Like, they're bad. Yeah. I think P.J. Fleck has his guys ready. They need a bounce back win after two losses in a row. So, I mean, I'd, six and a half, you said? Six and a half, yep. I'll slam that right there. Yep. Take, take Minnesota, take the points. Um, 43 and a half over. I'd probably take the over. Yeah, it's just going to be a Minnesota – Beat down. Rolling, yeah. And Minnesota, I think, still has a little bit to play for. They're a game back in the Big Ten West. I think there's an outside chance of them winning the West at this point. I, I don't actually know, given, like, the tiebreaker scenarios. I'm not 100% sure, but. But after the 38 to 30, you gave up 30 points to, of Rutgers offense that I said before was struggling this year. Yep. Give me Minnesota. Give me the points. Give me the over. I actually might parlay all three just to see what happens. <laughs> Do it. Can't hurt. All right, so the big prediction here, Rutgers is playing at Penn State. Penn State is a 17-and-a-half-point home favorite in this one. I don't see how Penn State covers the 17-and-a-half points, given the the directions of where we're going right now. Um, Penn State is beaten up. They have lost a lot of – I mean, anytime you're a ranked – top five midway through the season, your aspirations are sky high. And to be sitting where they're at currently, they have nothing to play for. Like a better bowl spot, like what, between like the Outback Bowl and the Pinstripe Bowl? Like, hey, I, I, Las Vegas. Las Vegas. We kind of talked about bowls earlier. Like Penn State really doesn't have much to play for other than pride. And they, based on what I'm reading, like a lot of guys kind of checked out on this team. Like they have a lot of guys who are going to be high draft picks. They have a lot of senior bowl acceptance at this ex, uh, invites that have been accepted at this point. Mm-hmm. Rutgers has a ton to play for. I'm going to be betting on Rutgers in terms of the point spread and the money line this week. I'm not calling for Rutgers. I think Rutgers loses a close game, but it would not surprise me in the slightest if Rutgers gained bowl eligibility this weekend and beat Penn State. I think it's ultimately going to depend on, one, how beat up Sean Clifford actually is. If he's as beat up as he looked like at the end of the Michigan game, and if their motivation is similar to the Illinois game, I could see Rutgers winning this easily. If if they come out and are, you know, lighting the world on fire and Clifford's mobile and he's able to kind of, you know, hit these easy throws that Rutgers is going to present him, I think it could get ugly. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Rutgers is going to lose a close game with the potential to win this game. I think it's going to be a one-score game going into the fourth quarter. That's such a tough call just because, like, Penn State's defense is, like, like I said before, they're top ten in, like, opposing points per game this year. I think they're number nine, actually. They only give up, like, 17 per game. Um, they've been so dominant. And Rutgers offense, I, I can't buy the hype after last week. I know Indiana, like, 38-3 wins. Impressive. 
but I just I can't get into it after a 52-3 loss. And then you lost – this is a team that lost to Northwestern. I hate to kick Rutgers while they're down, but I just – I can't see them pulling this one off. Like, I, I do think Sean Clifford is, despite him being slightly injured, maybe not 100%, he's still been somewhat mobile. He's uh, – I think he rushed a couple times last week. I forget how many times, but let's see. He rushed – yeah, he ran 16 times last week against Michigan. Mind you, I mean, some of them might have been – because of uh, the offensive line struggling, but he had an ATR run. Like he's not like a hundred percent, but he's not like 60% either. Like he's, he's probably like 80, 90% there. Um, this, this line actually game, has moved in this one. It's down to 16 and a half on, on uh, FanDuel since okay. I made this show sheet this morning and it's moved a point since then. Yeah. I don't, I don't know, man. I think Sean Clifford's going to be able to throw pretty easily on this Rutgers defense. I think he put up 360 against, 360 yards against Maryland. He put 300 plus yards against Ohio State, who's pretty damn good. Um, I, I just can't see anyone stopping Jahan Dotson. And then it comes down to the tight end. I think Rutgers is going to struggle against Brenton Strange. I think he's one of the better tight ends in the in the nation at this point. Uh, Parker Washington's looked really good for Penn State, especially last week. He stepped up quite a bit. Um, I, I just can't see Rutgers defense stopping this. Or I can't see Rutgers offense scoring much on this Penn State defense. I think they're just really, really good. They're very dominant. Their secondary is phenomenal. Their their edge guys are Jesse Lucada, who's a senior, just got accepted to the senior bowl, that same as Will Melton. Um, Arnold Abichetti's their other guys we just talked about before. Eight and a half sacks on the year. I think that's top 10 in the nation. I, I can't see it. Like, I, I do think Penn State wins this one. By how much? I don't know. This is a tough call because, yes, they've struggled recently, but Franklin needs to – assure the fan base that he's the man for the job. So I think there he's going to try to pummel on points, whether Shiano and Rutgers defense allows him to, that's, that's another question. I don't know. Yeah. It's a tough one. I do think Penn state wins covering 16 and a half. It's a lot, but. I, I wanted to bet 17 and a half. I'm, I'm pretty annoyed that that went up. I was going to bet that right after the show. I'm going to, I'm going to say Penn state covers. All right. I'm going to say they cover and they win just because I think Franklin needs a win. He needs to reassure the fan base. I think Jahan Dotson is going to be really hard to cover. And I do think as crazy as it sounds, Rutgers offense is bad, but I think the Penn state defense probably gets a takeaway for a touchdown at some point. So, I mean, I, I know Rutgers fans aren't going to like to hear it, but this is, this is not, it's not a bad Penn state team. Yeah. Four losses, but two were probably questionable against Michigan, which they probably should have won. Illinois, I don't know what the hell happened there. They should have won that. That was that was very bad. And then uh, even Iowa was a three-point game, too. Like, Penn State or Ohio State was a, a nine-point game. Like, they're, they're in these games. It's not like they're losing bad. Whereas you got Rutgers, who lost 52-3, to 21-7 against Northwestern. It's, I don't know. I can't do it. Got to go Penn State here. I hear you, man. I, I wish I could say with any level of confidence that they're going to win. I, in my heart of heart, think that Penn State probably ends up winning this game, but I think it'll be a close game. I think 17 and a half, now 16 and a half is way too many points. I think it's going to be a close game. Um, ultimately, I think Rutgers is going to be playing for bowl eligibility on uh, Saturday after Thanksgiving versus Maryland, and I think they'll win that game, but that's for next week. Um, 
We covered a lot here, guys. I want to appreciate you guys sticking around with us. Richie, you got any final thoughts about this week or anything Rutgers-related before we sign um, off? No, I mean, if any of you guys have been out to uh, State College before, going out there this weekend, if you know any good food spots, please uh, hit me up on the boards, on Twitter. I, I need something to eat that's not like shitty pizza. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I can probably bring a slice with me, but I feel like it's a little frowned upon, but... Yeah, I don't know. Any good food spots out there? Anything to do out there? Um, I'll be out there for a couple of days, so let me know. You can bring a break glass in case of emergency piece that's just sitting in your car waiting for you. I know. I should. All right, guys. Well, appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll see you next week, and uh, go Rutgers. Uh, I, I know this is going out to Penn State people, too. So. Go, go Rutgers. Go Rutgers. Go. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.